Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Just wanted to take a brief moment to give you guys a little idea how we do it here at Paddle and Fin Podcast. We use the Anchor.fm recording platform. Super easy, distributes our podcast to many, many different platforms. There's creation tools to allow you to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Check out anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. You're listening to Bass Fishing for Moves on the Paddle and Finn Podcast with your hosts Ryan Milford and Sean Lavery. Noobs on the Paddle and Finn podcast. I'm Ryan Milford, and we got Sean Lavery in here. Hey guys! And today we are doing a another host interview. We have the, one of the newest hosts here at Paddle and Finn. We got Armando Sola. That, got it. <laughs> all right, all right. I, y'all don't nailed know, it. I, I had to ask him right before we started recording, you know, to make sure I got it right. Yeah, y'all. I was so scared. I was still going to butcher it. Um, but yeah, so welcome to the podcast. Welcome Thanks, to man. our Thanks segment and everything. You know, I, I think you're going to bring some, some cool new, uh, what am I trying to say? Some cool new stuff, you know, to, to the podcast that we didn't try. have already. So. <laughs> but, uh, for people that, you know, haven't heard about you coming on and everything, you want to give like a, like a little background on who you are what you do and all that good stuff sure man uh well like you said my name is Armando Sola I uh I live in Texas right now I moved to the 
Dallas-Fort Worth area about 11 years ago. I'm originally uh, born and raised in Puerto Rico. Um, started bank fishing out of uh, lakes and and uh, beach. My dad would take me fishing. Um, so that was really what uh, spirit that passion for fishing. And like I was mentioning, and I think in um, the OG show, um, you know, uh, as I started growing up, you know, fishing is expensive, rods, reels, everything. But I, I love the passion for it. I used to sit down uh, every every weekend, you know, and my mom says she would get up and I was already on the floor in my tackle box, my rods, and watching like Bill dance and those uh, outdoor sports uh, programs that would come in either, I can't remember it was Saturday or Sunday. But she would say she, you know, she wake up and I was already there, you know, with my tackle box and everything. So I was a big fan of it. As I grew older, I got more into uh, surfing and all that and body, uh, bodyboarding. Um, and then when I moved to Texas, that's where I learned uh, bass fishing and kayak bass fishing from a close friend of mine. So I've been for the last five years actively, you know, fishing uh, for bass and then the last two years, I've been really focusing on kayak bass fishing. So it's awesome. What, do you, what do you fish for in Puerto Rico? Uh, man, I, I was so young when we started fishing out of the, I, I don't even remember, probably like catfish or stuff like that. I remember just uh, going to the, you know, the bank on the freshwaters um, and just digging holes and finding, you know, worms and then just throwing out a hook and throwing it out there. Um, and then the same thing, uh, well, when we would go like stay a resort or go to the beach or something, then I already had my tackle bugs with some soft plastics. I remember I used to throw like a makeshift Carolina rig because I saw one of the shows how they did it. And actually, I think that I remember I was really young, but my first catch was actually like, it was probably like a small reef fish, maybe one or two pounds. I can't remember if it was a grouper or rock bass, whatever it was. I don't know. But that was my first um, first uh, catch, and it was on saltwater. And ever since then, man, it's just it's been a passion. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> for those of you guys who don't know where Armando came from, he's actually no stranger to podcasts. He actually started his own podcast. you want to talk a little bit about that, Armando? Yeah, I started uh, my own podcast called Bass, Kayak, and Beers uh, uh, at the beginning of February. A lot of it inspired by Paddle and Finn and Dark Waters Kayak, uh, kayak Fishing Podcast. Um, I've always had the passion for, like, to interview people. Like, when I was growing, growing up, when I was here, I was always interested in when they interview, like, superstars like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, of all different types of sports. And I was always intrigued on when you know, the interviews they would do and all that. And so I really loved, I really had that generalistic uh, itch uh, with me all the time. Um, it's funny, and I'm going off topic a little bit, When, but when the whole um, Major League Baseball steroid scandal started, I would listen to players, you know, kind of like dodge questions and all that. And I was always like, you know, who's training these guys to like, <laughs> You know, such so successful, but the stuff they're coming out of their mouths, it's just like, you know, so simple if you just, you know, uh, handle it the appropriate way. So I really love that. And watching fishing shows and watching Fluke Master, Chad Hoover, I always wonder what it'd be like to talk to them about it. 
Um, and it never occurred to me to do a podcast. I've never, like, I feel kind of embarrassed, but I've never realized the concept of, of a podcast. You know, my wife loves to, to uh, listen to podcasts. And I think I came home one day from work, she was listening to a podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah, there is such a thing as podcasts. And I wonder, it's like, man, I wonder if they're kayak fishing podcasts. And sure enough, I found you guys. I found uh, Doug Waters Kayak Fishing, and I immediately... It's like, man, this is something I would love to do. This is always what I wanted to do, like interview people, talk to people uh, about something that I'm passionate for. So uh, I started doing it. Uh, well, I started posting it on my social media accounts um, on Instagram, saying that I was going to start doing a podcast. But I was super nervous about putting my voice out there, especially because English is not my first language. I always uh, self, uh, how do you say this? Uh, you see, I forgot the word sometimes, uh, but um, I always lack in confidence when I speak English. So I put it out there kind of like hoping that I would pressure myself to say, I put it out there, now I have to do it, now I have to start it. <laughs> and sure enough, like a week later or two weeks later, um, Josh Smith from Dark Waters Kayak Fishing, who I've never met, messaged me directly and he says, hey, dude, what, you know how Josh Smith is. He, does, he's not, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. So he gave me that, you know, that a high school football coach uh, pep talk where it's just like, you know, getting you pumped up. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to start doing it. So I started doing it um, and I would listen to you guys and listen to Dark Waters and kind of like not imitate, but kind of like get ideas and how you start, you know, how you guys do it. Um, so I started interviewing like anybody that I could get to come to the show. I tried to get um, tournament anglers, but of course they're already doing your shows and Dark Waters and all other shows that out there. So it was a headache to try to get to get them. So I would just pick anybody out of social media. And that's how I got going. And then um, I started listening to uh, Bass Fishing for Noobs. And I loved the idea, like we were talking right uh, before recording, that idea of uh, getting to talk to experts of kayak fishing and getting their, you know, having firsthand knowledge, like instead of just listening to them on, uh, on social media, actually talking to them about how to uh, work a certain technique is like, that's a great idea for me to, you know, learn because I have to catch up. I didn't grow up from a bass fishing culture. So I'm just catching up in the last five years. And bass is very, you know, very tricky to catch bass, um, unlike anything else, I, I, in my opinion. Now, I, granted, I haven't fished for a lot of things, but, um, it's something that it's oh you're always learning you're always working so that got me into doing the segment which was kayak fishing 101 that's when i started splitting my show one was called be the cold of real life which is just talking to uh people that love fishing um love kayak fishing but also have a life and want and try to juggle one thing and another um and i had the opportunity to talk to some great people that struggle with different things and how kayak fishing fits into them. So that was my favorite show. Um, and then kayak fishing 101 was to get them to talk about their techniques and something that I, I mean, I've learned so much from doing that, that, sorry, I got long winded there, but that's how I, that's, nope. that was basically bass kayak and beers when we started. <laughs> and, and like, I completely feel you on the whole thing, like trying to get, you know, people with, you know, a little bit bigger name in the industry to come yeah. on. When I, when I started Bass Fishing for Noobs, like, 
you know, it started as its own podcast. And I, I was a nobody, nobody in the kayak fishing community knew who I was. And, you know, then I, I, I couldn't hardly find anybody to come on. Yeah. And, you know, I got Brian to come on and we did an interview. And I guess he liked the way I went about the interview or something for some reason because, you know, I've, those episodes that I did on the podcast were garbage. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, he brought me on. And even still being under the Paddle and Finn name, you know, I still had a hard time there for a while. And you, I, I think now, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a somebody or, or nothing like that, but, you know, more people in the industry know who I am from the podcast. And, uh, and so it's a little easier to, you know, get people to, and plus the podcast itself is, you know, Paddle and Finn itself has grown. So more people know about it and, and everything, but yeah, back then, dude, it was so hard. I can't tell you how many times I had to have a conversation with Brian, like, dude, I, I need help with, something yeah. because you know i ain't got nothing for this week and you know i got like a day or two until my episode comes out and yeah i, I, I ain't got nothing. so that you know that, that I, and i got anxiety anyway so that that sucks that feeling like am i gonna be able to get that episode in time or not? but yeah ran over ran. <laughs> you know what? I, I do want to start another rant real quick though this is kind of off subject and i apologize but you know, there's been some stuff going, okay, so, you know, my wife is pretty big into watching the show Glee, and, you know, I've watched uh, yeah. quite a bit of it with her, and one of the actresses from that show just yeah. drowned, and wasn't wearing a PFD. Where are y'all's damn PFDs? Like, I'm, I'm so sick of seeing people dying for no reason in the water for not having a PFD on. They're... They make too many different styles that are comfortable, that aren't very hot and all that, to not wear them. There's no there's no reason you can't wear it. There, there's no good excuse for it. Please wear your PFD, you know, your, you know, your spouse, your kids, your yeah. parents, your siblings, your friends, all that. They don't want to have to bury you. So wear your PFD boots. Ran over mm-hmm. Yeah, we had uh, that that same weekend, uh, Susie Roloff, not Susie Roloff, but she was on a tournament and somebody on her lake, um, same thing, fell off the board and and, and drowned. Um, I was actually fishing on the Slay Nation um, uh, Texas Trail uh, that same day on, uh, on Ray Roberts, and there was a guy, I think it was Jackson, who's, it was an old kayak. Uh, I think it was Jackson. He actually had it spray paint over it, like made his. He had it really personalized, um, but he got a makeshift trolling motor on it and all that. And he, you know, I guess he he was fishing for crappies. Um, he a lot of I don't know how smart this is, but a lot of guys on boats, what they do when they're fishing for crappies underneath the bridge, they'll they're usually when you see a bridge, you'll see some rope hanging out of the bridge, mm-hmm. um, and they'll they'll tie their uh, their boats. Well, this guy tied his kayak, and I guess there was a little bit of wind current, and it started filling up his kayak with water. So he decided to let go of the, you know, cut the rope loose. Um, and then he realized the kayak is about to go under. So he jumped out of the kayak, grabbed the kayak with one hand, and started dog pedal his way to the shore underneath the bridge, which wasn't far away. And I'm seeing this from a football field away. And as soon as I saw it, I book it on my Hobie outback, and I was just going 
straight at the guy to see, you know, if you need any help. But by the time he got, I got there, he was already in shallow water. Um, but he didn't have a PFD on his kayak. Like I understand in Texas, you're not, you, you, you don't have to wear your PFD, but there has to be one in your kayak. I always yeah. wear mine. I That's always a wear mine. Too. You have to have but one it's like, kayak. dude, how do you not have, like, I wanted to say a couple of things to him about it, but I'm like, you know what? He made it to show it. So, you know, uh, we'll help him out. And I help him out gathering some of the stuff we're floating away. So I'm happy he was okay. But it's how do you not have a freaking PFD on your kayak with a trolling motor on it? You know, it's just, I, I get what you say, man. It's it's sad and it's it's something that can totally avoidable if people just be have two cents on it, you know? Totally. It's it's only a matter of time that you're going to go in the water. Uh, it's it's it is the nature of the sport that we we yeah. partake in, man. It's, and uh, especially I, I, the, the lady in California, I mean, she was on a boat with her child. And yeah, I mean, I'm surprised the, the child even survived because he was just left stranded on the boat. I'm like, think of at least your kids. I mean, holy cow. So, yeah. And I've only heard bits and pieces of the story, but like. <clears throat> From what I understand, they were swimming in the water. The kid had its life jacket on. And after she went under, the kid climbed back in the boat itself. And it was like three or four years old. And it was out there by itself till, you know, I guess somebody discovered it or something. Yeah, it is. But now, now that child has to grow up without a mother. Because she... Uh, like, I, I, I hate, you know, it, it, it's such a kind of a touchy way to go about this subject because yeah. you don't want to sound condescending about like like oh you don't wear your life jacket make people think they like you are self-righteous because you wear your life jacket but it's 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 not like that you know we don't want children having to grow up without a parent or all that They're, yeah uh, all right <laughs> uh so, so well, where should we start? Uh, so you're, you're said you're fishing out of an outback, right? Yeah, we'll be outback. That's actually what I am fishing out of. So nice. I love I'm it. I'm happy to hear that, man. <laughs> I love it. So uh, we, uh, Ryan and I were talking, like, uh, we'll get your top three techniques. What What is your go-to, your confidence? Man, um, jerkbait, surprisingly jerkbait, because it's not an e easy technique to, I guess, master, but for whatever reason, as soon as I started fishing out of a, uh, with a jerkbait, I've had tons of success with a jerkbait, just uh, around docks, especially. Um, I love to use it as a search bait when I'm going from point, if I'm looking at the Navionics, the maps, whatever, the charts, um, and I'm going from point A to point B, and I figured, you know, I'm not fishing th all the way from point A to point B. I just want to get from this point to that point as soon as possible. I just usually throw in a jerk bait that's, you know, uh, depending on the depth of the lake. But I try to throw something that will get that uh, 10 to 15 feet suspended bass that are so hard to take. And I just start paddling to from, you know, from again, from point A to point B. And the amount of times that I've actually caught something, you know, bass uh, and big bass, that I just suspended is it, it's it's crazy. Um, you know, I'm not even looking for them. I'm just saying while while I'm at it, let me just throw something out there. So that's the way that I mostly use the jerk bait. Um, and I found tons of success. Uh, now it's not my favorite way to fish it, but I've, I'm just saying it. 
I'm, I recommend anybody that's, you know, wants to learn bass and, you know, you're in a tournament, if you need to go from point A to point B, throw a jerkbait, you know, and start trolling it on your way to your other spot. You know, you never know. And I've, and I found like tons of bass that way and big bass as well. You get those suspended bass that are so hard to get sometimes. And, uh, and again, on docks, um, my best day on a jerkbait I was I I was looking at the weather the the night before and it said thunderstorms rolling in at 12. Now it's Texas, it's you know it's crazy here. So I figured okay, I'll I'll be at the lake by 6 a.m. before the thunderstorm hit and come back. By the time I got to the lake, thunderstorms had rolled in at 6 a.m. and I already had my uh, kayak and everything ready to go. I already uh, got it out of my pickup truck. I was ready to go. All of a sudden, boom, and I was like, I'll just have to go back to the car and wait it out. And it lasted a couple of hours. Like, it was one after another, one after another. Um, so in between uh, storm cells, I would just cast out of the bank, waiting for all of it to go and just watching it on the uh, on the app. Until finally, like a couple hours later, the, the storms were gone. Now, it was a day that was supposed to be like 100 degrees out there. So I didn't take any top water. I didn't take any uh, anything for top water. But... What happened was that weather cooled down the water so much. And after the storm passed, there was no winds at all. And all of a sudden, it was top water heaven. I mean, bass exploding everywhere. And I later find out the reason for that is that cold water starts descending um, and bait fish start coming up. So it started bringing the bass. And it was one cast after another. With the, I was like, what do I throw? I, I left all the top water at home or in the car. Um, so what the heck do I, am I going to throw? So I figured, let me throw a jerk bait. And it was like for the first 10 casts, it was just, you know, throw it in, boom, boom, bam, and got it. Got, I mean, it was one after another, one after another. So I immediately fell in love with, uh, fishing for jerk bait. I think that was the first time I used a jerk bait. Um, and then I guess the, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, did you say you, but you troll it when you're going from point A to point B. I never even thought to try that. Oh man, it's it's crazy. That at that day specifically, I wasn't trolling. I was just throwing right, it right. out there. But yeah, no. From that, that's what I like to do, just so I can get the feel for the lake. Um, some people might say it's like, oh, that's kind of like cheating. I know I've heard comments on on posts and all that about people. Some people hate trolling, and I get why. It's not what I do. Uh, what I ordinarily do, I just say from point A to point B. Let me find out, especially if I'm a body water that I've never been. You know, and I see suspended bass at 10 or fish at least at that 10, 15. I'm like, that's what I'm going to do if I need to point from point A to point B and see what happens. And, I, and again, a lot of times I, I end up catching a big bass that I wasn't expecting. A lot of times it doesn't work, but you'd be surprised how much it works. Okay. See, I've heard Susie Roloff talk about doing that. And in her league, like you're not allowed to like troll, like put it in a fish or like a rod holder and as and do the all that but if you got a pedal drive you know see i think i believe she said her loop holes she did with that she keeps it in her hand and she like she pedals and kind of trolls that way with it still in her hand that way yeah you know it's kind of a loophole in the rule where she can still kind of troll but you know, they're happy yeah <laughs> i've i've heard that too <laughs> i've actually heard that but you asking about my three, I think that's the main one. Um, Senkos, um, 
flipping senkos. I mean, I started recently, um, and shout out to Flugmaster. He actually posted a video a couple of months ago called the Forgotten Rig, and it's that senko with a little weight on one side, like a neko rig, but Texas rig on one side and a neko weight on the other. Oh my God. That thing, especially on spawning, that thing will land you huge bass, man. I I love that technique. It is it is essentially like a, a cross between a net rig and a neko rig, but it's uh, weedless. And I've thrown it on grass. I flip it underneath docks. I've used it. I'll I'll add a heavier weight, uh, nail weight on it, and I'll use it for uh, more deep um, ledges. And that's my other favorite technique, man. That thing is that's uh, that's the easiest. And he mentioned it on the video. I'm like, well, if he mentioned it, I'll give it a try. And sure enough, man, that's the easiest way to catch a fish. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of success I've had with that. And not to go too long with it, I think my other one is crankbaits. You know, uh, that's me. Uh, my other favorite one. Now, I for the life of me, are trying to get better at uh, uh, jigs, but jigs, did, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I struggle so much with fishing on jigs. Mine's having difficulty there with this. No, I, 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 <laughs> I, 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 was, I was looking at your bullseye. Oh, uh, bullseye. And yours is. You know, we both got them here, but like mine's inside the bracket. And I noticed your bracket goes underneath it, and I'm like, "Wait, what's going on? Am I wearing it right?" Or I may be wearing I, it wrong. I, I don't know. They, do, you it, have, do you have? Do you have? What do you think? Which one's I, the right way? I, I, I mine is like Ryan's. Yeah. That's how I. Oh, then I got it wrong. My well, bad. I just I don't got know it. How I, did you, you have, stick it on there? It's just it sticks there. That's what I thought. Uh, but no, that makes sense. Okay. Let me fix that. <laughs> maybe maybe yours is the right if way. it works it works i was just yeah. trying oh man but wait a minute so let me look at yours i know we're getting off subject here how does <laughs> yours i you maybe yours is the way it's supposed to be i don't well, know I, mean, I, we'll I think contact. you can i think you can do it really however you want to as long as no, it know. makes sense because you have but a little like cup holder oh yeah you're right yeah, yeah you're right I'm, I'm such an idiot look how embarrassed <laughs> that's embarrassing Look, you, you Can we edit this show? out? <laughs> I was hoping to get uh, sponsored by Angler, but then I got sponsored. And I was like, look at this idiot wearing this all wrong. God, yeah. at least I'm in the bass fishing for noob segment, you know? Yeah, you come here. Yeah, you're in the right place. That, yeah, yes. I'm in the right place, right? <laughs> you, you come to teach us stuff, and, I'm, and you're learning from us. What? <laughs> I'll have to fix it. Hold up. Yeah, all this time. And I kind of saw it. I was like, maybe I'm doing it wrong. But there you go. You see, I learned something about always learning with Ryan and Sean, man. Always. What we're here for? Why we do this? <laughs> Thank you. But I, uh, I'm gonna have to try the that forgotten rig, man, because I, I, I was reading about um, they, they're calling it the little child rig, and it's, it's basically a big uh, TRD, almost like, uh, like not the small, the three inch or whatever they are. It's like the five inch one, and it's Texas rigged at the top with a some kind of weight in the bottom. So it sounds similar to that. And I remember seeing that Fluke Master Forgotten rig too, um, but uh, I will have to try that more. I have caught one or a few fish on the the what they call it the little child rig and uh so i'm gonna try it with senkos now too that now that you say that is that the the wire to fish video because i know wire to fish made one i haven't seen that's the one right I haven't yeah i seen it but i saw their post and i'm like oh that's the same that's it's, the same that Foodmaster did yeah pretty much it uh the, they use like the z-man um shroom 
weights where you just kind of push it yeah. into the bottom That's of the it. instead yeah. of a nail weight but uh yeah it's basically the same thing so and it, it is very weedless like i was throwing it down through uh like trees with uh underwater trees and it was coming right through the branches and everything so it's definitely good for that no it is and the only that and now that we're talking about him maybe we can it's, it is fast bass fishing for noobs so we can share that tip i use the trd if i'm shallow because okay. you stand up but if I'm going to deep ledges, like I'm saying deep ledges, 15, 20 feet, I don't like the TRD. The reason for it takes too long to get down there because the TRD right. floats, right. especially if you use that big Magnum TRD. Yep. My, the one that I've gotten the best result on, and this is, uh, I mean, shameless plug or not, but I'm, I'm not sponsored by them, is the, God, I forgot what it was now. Of course I did. Good thing you're I think not it was sponsored the power, by them. Brickley's power, <laughs> power Bait, um, oh, okay. they have like, a big, um, I think it's the six inch um, single style. Mm -hmm. That one with the the green with the purple uh, flakes. Man, that thing that has gotten me so much. I've tried the dark, uh, the black and blues and all that, and sometimes works on stained water. But that green with the uh, purple flakes on on the power uh, Berkeley's power bait. And they're pretty. Style. I was gonna say they're pretty heavily scented too, aren't they? Yes. Yes, yeah. they are. I, my Paul Strom, who we've had on here, was just showing me those. The I went fishing with him not long ago, and he was showing me that's what he likes as well. So, hopefully, I'm not spilling his secret sauce there. But uh. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a great. I recommend anybody trying, and it's so easy to cast and so easy to retrieve. I mean, it's there's no really wrong way of doing it. But that's the only difference that I would recommend if you're going for deep. Um, you may not want to do the TRD um, just because it takes longer. The advantage of the TRD is it it stands up. Now, when you're going for shallow, if you do the small TRDs, and you you have to have a light wire hook because when I started throwing the TRDs, I would have like a heavy wired hook on it. And the thing about it is that wire hook would bring it down just like a senko because it's the hook. And I don't have any of my baits here with me, but basically the you Texas rig it and the the hook is right at the top like right at the at the very tip of the top so right. it does even if you have a trd if you have that regular four inch trds it's and you have a heavy wired hook it's gonna it's gonna topple to the side once it hits the water so just because you're using a trd doesn't mean it's gonna float like a like a, a net rig you have to have either uh if you have it on a lot uh, uh as a light setup like i do i have it on uh uh, sp uh, spin cast, um, medium, I think, yeah, medium and a, a six pound test, uh, floral. Then I use a light wire hook and then the TRD is gonna, it's gonna stand up and stay that way. But you have to use a light wire hook. Otherwise it's going to topple over if you're looking for that action where it stays standing up. That's definitely a good tip. Thank you. Freebie. So so okay, standard TRD versus the big TRD. Go. What do you like? What do I like? Which one? I've, I I've, I've never used the big TRD. To me, it's like why not just go ahead and use a Cinco? Uh, well, I, the big I, the big TRD. What I like is it's if you I would like I like it when it's when I'm trying to go if I can see on the graph there big bass over there. Um, and it's not that deep, you know, I'm talking about 10 feet. Um, then I yet like to use that TRD that has that shad color. 
uh, or pattern. You know, it's kind of like black uh, on one side and kind of like silverback on the other one. I love to use that TRD for that. Now that is a heavy TRD. So you have to put the biggest um, shroom head you can get. And I don't know how many sizes they come. Um, but that's the thing about Z-Man. They're, they're cheap, but you have to buy their shroom head. You can't use a regular style head that you would use on a regular Senko because it's not going to work. It's, you know how it's the thing about TRDs, it's, it's very finicky. You know, you can't mix it with other plastic because I found out the hard way. I lost about, I don't know, about $20 in soft plastic. Oh. When, I, when I opened the box the next day, everything <laughs> melted. I'm like, what the heck? It's winter. <laughs> what happened here? And I finally, I texted a friend of mine and says, did you mix your TRDs with them? I'm like, yeah. And you can't do that. So I learned the hard way. So if you don't know that, do not mix your Z-Man with anything, any other soft plastic. But so that's the thing about Z-Man. You know, I love them, but they're really finicky when it comes to that. You know, you need your own storage space. You need your own net rigs and your own hooks. It, it my love and hate relationship with them is they're great, they're durable, but it's a nightmare to, 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 um, to I don't how do you call it to thread the hook on it you know to get him to come just right it's yeah. I don't know why I struggle with it so much um, but so I love the big TRDs for for that for when I'm trying to get a you know uh, if they're actively feeding and they're you know they're out there on the prowl then I'll use that big TRD try to land a big bass you're not gonna get a as much bass as you would with with uh, just like the typical six uh, six inch TRDs. Um, but I mean, you have a chance of landing that big bass just because of the size of it. Yeah. So, uh, okay. You said you're in the Hobie Outback. Are you more of a, uh, a lake fisherman or a river fisherman? Uh, lake. I, I love to be more active on rivers. There's, there's a couple of rivers around here, mostly creeks though um but yeah our texas has got good rivers well maybe not in your particular well, area well, i, I so mean much. they have creeks they have close to where I, li I live they have a few creeks um that are great uh and uh for fishing especially on uh march and april when the sand bass run oh my god that's sand bass heaven right there there's i mean you can get a limit any day if you get if you get on that two-week window and, and you get them just right on that on up uh, creeks uh that are feeding into big lakes man you get you you get a li 25 limit real quick on sand bass which i love but uh going back to your question i would love to get more involved in river fishing there's a lot of river around here the guadalupe the trinity is i've done the trinity but it's kind of disgusting as well especially when because um, it goes right right through downtown fort worth and then down, right to downtown uh, Dallas, but there are some big fish there. Um, but I would love to go into deep uh, backwoods um, uh, river and creek fishing. I want my that's my next thing. I want to get a kayak for my wife, which is <laughs> I gonna, hear you. I'm <laughs> in the same boat, man. It's gonna be my river, <laughs> which is gonna be my river fishing. You know, when when we can spend time together. You know. But that's what I, and I've been looking at a few. I've been looking at that sheer water, man. That's, the only thing, it's kind of big. It's kind of like long. My, my, my thing with uh, 
with uh, creek or skinny waters. I want a kayak where I can lay my rods down. I mean, because you, so often you got to go through brush and trees and all that, and I, it's a headache just trying to get your rod out of it and come back and, and put it back again and all that. Well, see, that's why I, on my milk crate, I made my, uh, my rod holders horizontal so my rods stick straight out the back just just for that reason well my fear with that is if i'm turning into tight place, spaces knowing how clumsy i can be i'm just gonna break my rods on you know on a bend or something on a sharp turn or something against a rock or a timber or something that's why i like them on the side um so i've been struggling to find a re like the perfect river kayak fishing for my budget I was watching Kristen Fisher did a great video on trying to kind of sell the idea of Hobie PA and P12 going on rivers. And I, I that video was pretty cool. It almost got me convinced of throwing a, a, a PA on a river. Um, so that that was a really good video. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but that was a, that was a really interesting video. Um, I mean, I didn't, would never think uh, to even consider it. Uh, but with the new pet, uh, fins that um, kick back, um, that that's actually pretty good. I, I mean, I was convinced. I saw the video. I was like, man, that's, that's not a bad idea. Well, Sean takes takes his out back on on uh, Susquehanna, Susquehanna I, River. Yes, I do. And it, it, it and there are signs where it gets a little sketchy. Um, like they, I do have the kick up fins, but um, it only works if you're going the direction you know. Like, so if I let yeah. myself drift backwards and my fins are still facing forwards, if I hit something behind me, it's bad news. So, yeah. Oh, man, just yesterday. You know, I, I finally got my Bite FD back, <laughs> and I took it out yesterday out on uh, Duck River. And I was I, I was fishing and everything, and I was, I was kind of in the middle of the river. And, like, I was floating forward, and I need to back up so i start pedaling real hard backwards and all of a sudden i hit something i still don't know what i hit because i'd been throw, throwing in that area and i wasn't getting snagged on anything or anything and all of a sudden i hit something i don't know what it was and i was like oh, i done broke a prop or something on this thing already but everything was fine i don't know if i hit a fish or something or huh. what <laughs> you know, I, 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 did, I, I did see some uh, decent-sized gar swimming around in there, so maybe one swam up and I smacked it or, or something. I don't know. But, man, it scared me. I thought I done broke something on the kayak. Well, and I, I had my Sus or my uh, outback out on the Susquehanna just last week, and but right now it is so low. I was spending more time paddling than pedaling because uh, I had to keep you know one foot forward, one foot back, and keep the pet or the the uh, fins up against the hole because it was so shallow. And I still ended up you know uh, kind of scraping the bottom. I was like, yeah, you know. So it's definitely not an ideal river boat. So I was, I'm kind of in the same boat. I was looking to replace my daughter's kayak with something <laughs> a little bigger you know so so definitely see, know what you're talking about see i would like to uh get my wife a kayak as well <laughs> but the only thing if if i'm gonna do it i want it's gonna be kind of like a throw and go boat in a way like yeah, it's gonna that's the other thing. it's gonna be something you know that comfortable seat and everything but lightweight where i'm just pick it up and put it on my shoulder and go it's hard to find 
a boat right now, like, especially. Well, Holy well, God. yeah, but I'm. I was gonna say it's hard to find a boat that will that meets those qualifications that will hold a 260 pound guy and all his gear. That uh, I think it's the Mulkin, the feel free, the new feel free that came out. I've been looking into that one because it's not expensive at all. It's like less than seven hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's lightweight and, and it has that keel that doubles as a little roller wheel. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it That's has that. I like feel free. Yeah, and it has those uh, rod holders with the tip protectors on the side. You can put because if I'm river fishing, I'm not taking. When I go to a lake, I'll take seven rods, especially if I'm in a tournament. And I and I know that sounds like a lot, but I mean I've talked to guys that bring like twelve rods, and I'm like that is. We got some here on the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I for a river I would only take like maybe one or two. That's I mean I'm just saying that maybe for a start river fishing I'll yeah I took three rods. (laughs) I took three with me yesterday. Yeah, but I would love to get more involved in river fishing for sure. Man, I, I like it. Like, where I've been going, I've been paddling up, or I guess yesterday, paddling upriver. But, like, you come up on these, like, these little, I don't even know really what, to, I, I say rapids, but I guess maybe, like, riprap, and all it's real shallow, and, you know, the water gets a little faster, and all that. But, uh, you know, it comes a point in that where i got to get out and walk up through it and pull in my kayak, and, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, I love that. It feels more like I'm an adventure than just fishing. <laughs> I think yeah. I've said that before, but you know, that's what it is to me. And so like, it kind of sucked in a way yesterday because I waited till later to get out and, <laughs> and it was already like 90 something degrees and I'm dragging this kayak up through all this, <laughs> man, I was burning up and I'm out of shape anyways. So, <laughs> and the other thing about river fishing, which gets me a little bit of, uh, if I want to go river fishing, I, that one I would love to go with somebody else. Like, I can go to a lake by myself, but river fishing, I yeah. like somebody because of the dynamics of it, especially here in Texas. I I recorded an episode with um, with Manny Varela from Skinny Water Boys TV. He's gone through this, and so has Eric from Hook Up, Eric Silerio, Silerio, I think? Anyway, Eric from Hook Up the Grind, those two of my favorite YouTubers, they do a lot of uh, river fishing here in Texas. Um, and they gone, and it's it's Texas, man. It, they gone through stuff. And I actually recorded an episode with uh, Manny Barella about this. The amount of times where they have people just pulled out a gun and either shot at the water next to them or shot in the air or just trying to shoot them, it's crazy. Here in Texas, it, it's it's just crazy, man. I don't. I love Texas. I'm not hating on Texas. I love Texas. I loved it. I live here, but there has been, and he has recorded in it. And one thing that I uh, talked about in that episode, this wasn't clickbait because I know there's, you know, we all know, we all know who they are. They bring the clickbait on, but this is more them just fishing on the Guadalupe River or up in like feeding creeks and all that. And all of a sudden, you get a landowner pull the gun and start shooting up in the air or shooting uh, at the water, trying to scare you off. I'm like. It's not about clickbait. This is actually what he's going through right now. And they've gone in. I mean, he's, his last uh, video that he did that that happened, he was at the end. You can see, man, he was just like, man, I'm tired of this. It's just just, just because you're a landowner doesn't mean you own the river. Um, yeah, that's ridiculous. And it's, even, yeah. As, I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. As somebody, you know, I, I, 
don't really want to get too political on here, but as somebody that's pro Second Amendment and carries yeah. a gun and owns several guns, like that to me, that dude is a butthole for <laughs> to keep it clean and you know really don't need to own a gun. That's the type of person that don't need to own a gun. You know, trying to use it as a scare tactic for somebody that's not threatening him. You know, to me, to me, a, a gun, it can, it can be for pleasure, uh, hunting, you know, self like yeah, 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 exactly. That's that's what I was gonna get at. You know, as long as the pleasure is used the right way, you know, go to a range or something and shoot off a few rounds. But but yeah, the, the, it shouldn't be used like that. It's like a scare. Tactic. It shouldn't be used as intimidation for somebody that's not doing yeah. anything wrong. Right, especially right. Yeah. yeah. That's that's yeah. my point. That's where it becomes responsible. And again, I'm not going to get political on this and all that. I mean, yeah. I have no problem with the Second Amendment or anything like that. Having said that, there has to be a certain type of responsibility. You have a gun either to hunt or to protect yourself. Um, if you hunt, then you hunt. If you need to protect yourself because you really feel there's a threat that you could be harmed. Not because, oh, you see a guy in a kayak. Well, if the guy's in a kayak, chances with two or three kayaks, chances are he's not there to rob you because... It's not really a getaway yeah. vehicle, now, is it? <laughs> so it's more like you don't want him on your land and you just want to intimidate it. And that's where it becomes irresponsible. And that's why I think you, me personally, again, nothing against the Second Amendment. I, I have nothing against it. But that's individuals that maybe, maybe should be considered not having a gun. Yeah. That's, that's my opinion on it. When you're using, just using it to intimidate other people for no reason other than your own personal interest, which has nothing to do with self-preservation. Well, to me, that's that's close to the same thing as brandishing a firearm, which I know here in Tennessee is illegal. You know, like just to skip, you get to an argument with somebody and you pull your shirt up and show your pistol, you know, that's brandishing a firearm. You know, that's illegal here. I don't know about Texas. I would assume that it would be, but... Well, uh, Texas, we have, I think we have open carry, so if you have a concealed weapon, you're allowed to... You should. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Open carry, but like, if you're like, I don't know, if you like, you just can't it, wave your gun. Pull it out, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming it's the same thing. I mean, that's common sense, but I don't, I don't know well, anything what, about. What's the law as far as the river goes up there and land owner? Like, do they, like, do you, can they own part of the? River there. I know it's different from state to state. Well, that's that's why we recorded an episode on it because I before we recorded an episode, I saw what happened to him, and I've seen him, him and like I said, and hook up the ground. I gone through much of it that I thought maybe you should make a video, maybe should make a podcast dealing with this because this is serious. So I said before I start, you know, blabbing my mouth something I don't know. Let me, you know, let me do some research. So I did some research, um, mainly through the Texas and Wildlife uh, Parks Department website. Um, and it's it's so, I mean, it, it comes to a point where it's just stupid. I mean, this says the, 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 the river is defined either by state or statue or by logic or something like that. And then it says, well, statue doesn't, there's no way to measure statue, so, so why even have it? Something like that. It was something stupid. But basically, it, there's so many factors. If you have like lands that were bought from uh, Mexican laws. And I, I'm not a history buff on Texas. I'm assuming this is more Southern Texas. Um, 
but I guess there were some land grants from Mexico that now that eventually, you know, those became, you know, now territory of the United States, whatever it was. But anyways, if it was a Mexican grant land, then the law may applies differently. That one is whether regardless of the size of the river or creek, you couldn't own it because back then when those grant uh, land grants were done, um, those creek, uh, there was no plumbing. So those were a source of life for people living, you know, all the way to where the creek ends. So you couldn't own it. You couldn't own those creeks, no matter how shallow, how um, how dried up they were or, you know, or, or their depth or everything. You just couldn't own them. So that part of Texas, if you happen to have uh, Mexican grant land, you can't, you cannot own the, the creek, no matter how small it is. If it's not a Mexican grant land, then it is defined by if it's navigable. navigable. And that is... I mean, we can make we can talk for hours about that. I mean, it's it's crazy if it measures. It has to measure it at least three thirty feet, I think, wide or something like that. Average between the mouth and the end of the the creek. So even if you have a portion that's only five feet wide, but the rest of the quarter mile uh, or three quarter mile on a mile long creek is fifty feet wide, then those five feet are not considered navigable. You know, it's just, it's just one, it was just one thing. There was even, there's no way to really put, like, to define whether you can order or not. Then there's land, there's um, uh, land deeds that say that you're the owner of the river, but the state doesn't recognize it. So it says you're the owner. <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> you, own, you own the bottom of the river, but you don't own the water, is what the state says. It's just, it's just stupid, man. It's just, I mean, we, I was like, yeah, good luck with this. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It's crazy stuff. It is. Well, and you yeah. mentioned about not going alone on the river, and I think that's a good idea just in general because of the way um, uh, the rivers can be. It's not like a lake where you're not going to, you know, current can do crazy things, and if you're by yourself, then... Um, then um you know you're not exactly safe so yeah no it's crazy even wildlife and stuff like that i mean it's just so many things could go wrong and you get those flash floods where it's not where it's not rainy where you are it can be like great summer weather but a few miles up you get a thunderstorm with heavy rain and that's going to come down without any warning you're just going to take and it's going to take you forever take you so that's the other thing you may not notice you know, oh it's great weather it's not raining a few miles further up you get one of those texas storms that just dumps tons of water on you and uh, up river and then you don't even know you get blindsided by it and god knows where that's going to take you right right yeah that and that's happened actually to me you know uh, I remember one time I went out and the, the wind was supposed to be, it was, it was, it was windy when I went out and it was supposed to get better and it actually got worse. And, um, I ended up, I was like, I'm just going to paddle upstream knowing that I'll have to drip back downstream to where my car is. And I ended up, uh, catching a fish, but it got all snagged in my, uh, 
in the line. And so I pulled up everything, had everything sitting in my lap, unt untangling it. And by the time I looked up, I had floated back downstream way past the truck. And then I had to pedal or pa actually I had that was back which one I had my Tusa and I had to paddle like crazy just to get back to the ramp. And, you know, it, it definitely wasn't easy and made me learn about, uh, you know, making sure I keep my surroundings in, in mind and, and how far away I am from my truck and knowing I have to make it back to the truck. So yeah. we got a few of the Texas wildlife department parks and wildlife department does a great job of having some trails. They have one to Guadalupe uh, and by trails, it's just, a, it'll have an exit enter sign and an exit sign for the kayak. So they'll know, you know, where it's safe and all that. Um, and they have a few, one, a few one Guadalupe, they have one a uh, few minutes from where I live. Um, I tried that one. Um, I only saw guards and car uh, and carp and alligators. That's the only thing I saw. I was like, yeah, it's not for me. Um, I could not catch a bass on that. I, that's the only thing I saw. But they have a few trails like that where it's just like you know you can go and they'll you can download the map and they'll tell you where is the safest way to exit and enter and stuff like that. So there's a few I uh, that I've been trying to to try. I did try the. Uh, Brazos River, so uh, Brazos River has a few lakes in between reservoirs, you know, it has the Possum Kingdom and then it has Whitney further down south. So I tried the Brazos River after the Whitney Dam and that's my first experience of fishing on a river. I love that man and I really would love to go back and, and give that a try because um, that is an amazing experience just um, fishing in, in a river. That's something that I really hoping to get into more and more uh, each time. But yeah, it's it's a great it's a great change of pace from a lake. And plus you don't get all the boaters. Right. Yeah, it kind of, the first time I went over on Duck River, it kind of blew my mind. Like, you know, I went up river where I couldn't even get through the kayak. I had to drag it over like this no. pea gravel because it got so shallow right there. And as I was coming back down, you know, somehow a bigger boat i guess it had a jet drive motor on it uh was coming down the river from that way i'm like how did you get through there <laughs> it, it kind of blew my mind but man so I, I didn't think i was gonna have to deal with any boaters then but i, I did but they're, they're far and few between you know that's the only people that's got like the jet drives and stuff yeah pretty cool yeah so, uh, Sean, you got any any more questions for Omar? I was going to ask you, so you've talked to a lot of people, gotten a lot of good advice. What do you think is the best piece of advice you've gotten? Oh, man, that's that's a hard uh, hard question. Let's see. Man, the, the one with Dan Perry, um, we did uh, Fishing for Ledges. I thought that was great. I do want to mention something. For those out there that are learning to do kayak fishing, there is such a thing as too much information. Um, and I'll give you a perfect example. I went, I was uh, pre-fishing in Ray Roberts uh, for the Slay Nation tournament. Um, and I did uh, like, I went three times before the actual tournament. Um, and I found some bass. I found my biggest bass so far. It was 22 and I think it was 22 and a half, 22 and three quarters. Um, and it was, I figured it out, you know, where they were. You know, it would. They were on grass. There were some some ledges. Um, so they were kind of spread it out everywhere. So 
I really thought, you know, man, I could, I really could use a few more of those big bass because that was the the other ones were just like in the 15, 16 inch, but that 22 inch was like, man, and I that's the only one that I caught on a semi deep ledge, something like 15, 17 feet, um, using the chatterbait on the uh, uh, the not the jackhammer, the one and one quarter ounce, the one and one quarter ounce jackhammer. Uh, I love that's that. That's a heavy jackhammer. That's, yeah. that, that's a, the, the heaviest one. So that's okay. how I caught it. Now, between the, my pre-fishing and my tournament, I recorded a segment with Dan Perry. And we're talking about uh, finding bass on deep ledges. Um, and he introduced me to um, Fishing the Moment, which had, well, I had seen before, but I never really gone into deep fishing moment. Great great way to learn he is a good yeah it is a great learn but if you're brand new at kayak fishing or bass fishing you have to pace yourself because th there's a lot of information there that if you're not ready for it don't think you, just by listening to him you're gonna grab it you have there's a lot of things you put in practice so i i talked to dan perry on uh we did, recorded that episode on fishing big um for big, big bass and ledges i brushed up on fishing the moment which also had few episodes dedicated to finding big bass on deep ledges. So tournament time came um, and uh, it was 90, the water was almost 90 degrees um, since early in the morning. Like my, I was six in the morning, the sun is still hasn't completely come out. I stepped my foot in the water and it was, the water was hotter than the <laughs> air around it. I, I felt like I was going into a sauna. I was like, God, this is hot water right now. Um, so I immediately thought they're going to be deep and I just talked to Dan Perry about it. I just watched all these videos and I struggled mightily on it. So I kept looking for deep ledges. I kept uh, trying to get and I could see them on the graph, but I, I wasn't able to get them hooked. I would go back to the bank for a little bit, see if I can find something. I got a couple of bites. I missed a big one, but I still kept getting going into deep ledges, thinking they're gonna be there. I mean, the water's 90 degrees. There's not a cloud in the sky. Tournament ended. I got skunked. Didn't catch anything. I was fishing next to another guy. Um, he was he was going the same idea that I had. He actually caught a 12 incher five minutes before lines out, uh, right at half a feet of water. So tournament ended. Uh, I'll, I'm I'm not I'm I'm very humble in the sense that and I thought that sounds crazy to say well, I'm very humble but what I meant to say is like I'm I'm not above asking somebody for help and asking them how they do it so the guy who won the tournament also got the biggest bass and he caught a 23 and a quarter 23 and three quarter inch bass um, and I asked him how do you do it it is just like flipping a senko and a foot and a half of water and here I am trying all day going on deep ledges trying to find the big bass and everybody that on the top three on that tournament all the big bass came on foot three foot of water foot and a half to three foot of water and that goes to show you you i've forgotten what i learned in the pre-fishing and just thought okay well this is how it's supposed to be done i have been doing it wrong if i would have stuck with what i did in the pre-fishing i may not have won because Good Lord, he got a 23 and a quarter bass, an inch bass, but... You might have caught that bass before him. Yeah, I might have <laughs> been in the money or at least not gotten skunk. Um, and that's the thing about it. When you, when you, my recommendation to anybody out there is you're going to get great info, great tips. 
learn what to use and don't get away from what you already know what what you when you start learning to do kayak bass fishing or bass fishing generals there comes a time where things kind of become an instinct like i have an instinct for me to use a chatterbait and a jerkbait those uh those are the i think and i didn't mention that in my top three i should have mentioned that those are the three that i feel very com those two that i feel very comfortable throwing so if you're going to try a different technique that you're not comfortable with it make sure you're taking the time to practice it and do it uh, consciously and what i mean by that is you're gonna for me for example i struggle with jigs so there's gonna be a day when i'm gonna go out there and it says regardless if i skunk or not i am just gonna try to work a jig and find the most and try to get the best results out of it because i want to learn i want to be a better all-around fisherman or kayak fisherman so i need to work on my not only my my confidence bait but the ones that i struggle with now if that's what you're doing that's great that you're making a conscious decision that you're probably going to get skunk but you're trying to practice get better at something that you struggle that you should totally do but when you're out there and you just want to catch big fish and you don't care how it is you just want to have a good day in the water forget about any tournaments forget about landing a limit you just want to enjoy yourself and catch fish then understand you don't always go with oh i just saw this video because we tend to do that especially if you're new i used to do that a lot oh i just saw this video so i have to do it turns out that video does not apply in this uh the geographic that you live or the season or that specific lake that just doesn't have that uh attributes that that the lake in that or in that video did so grab information and then learn how to apply it before you go out there and think that you're going to have success on it. I think that's definitely some good advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know I got along with it on it, but yeah, fishing for deep legends doctor with Dan Perry, that was still a great information. I did well with Chris Santoro too on how to do finesse uh, uh, drop shots on uh, deep structure. That one helped me out a lot. I got a great tips on that. Um, and then being others, um, my first uh, my first podcast was with a guy named Mark Gamboa from South Carolina. He, he all he throws is swim bait, so I learned a lot from how to work a swim bait, which at that point is something that I struggle with a lot. So that's pretty when much you, all I throw now. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. Yeah, I can't really put it down. And you mentioned the fish of the moment. I'd love to, I, I mean, I've thought about reaching out to him to have, uh, see if we could get him on here too. I just don't know how you would narrow down what you'd talk to him about because he is uh, a super wealth of knowledge as well. Yeah. But Man, um, I've, I've heard so many people talk about that. And I think I've seen like one or two videos, but I need, I need to go look more into that because everybody I mean, talks. So I just like his, his diagrams and everything. Like he, yeah. you know, he doesn't just tell you, he shows you like in with pictures and moving diagrams and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. The and only see, thing that would be good for me because, you know, I, like you can tell me how to do something all day long. And I, I know this is kind of weird me doing a podcast where people are telling me how to do stuff, but uh, you can tell me how to do something all day long. Chances are I'm not going to catch on. When you show me, like I got visual yeah. of how to do it, then you know I start catching up. But you know the podcast kind of goes hand in hand. You know, what's your ideas? Go to YouTube. You know, what's what are they doing on YouTube? Kind of put 
what I got from the podcast on there, and that's kind of helped me with all that. But yeah, it's an extra tool if you're just relying on podcasts to learn. I mean, for those out there listening, if you're just relying on us teaching you, then you're not gonna get the full spectrum of it. So you tie different things together. You know, time on the water, watch a video. Um, listen to our podcast and you kind of get all feels for it. You know, you listen to it on your way to work, you had your headphones on, uh, you know, on your commute, you watch it on video when you get a chance on your breaks, you put it, your time on the water, and then those things eventually will come up. The one thing I want to say about uh, fishing for a moment, again, I'm a big fan of it. If you're learning, if you just learn, you've just gotten into fishing, keep in mind this, this is like advanced level fishing. So you're going to struggle to try to keep up with what he's saying. If you're just like, like you're just starting to fish out of a bank or a kayak, you don't have a boat, you do. He does a lot of great stuff with electronics. Mm-hmm. But if you're not at that um, level in mind, by I mean level where investment, you know, where you don't have, where you can't, you don't have a boat or you don't have a kayak, you're just learning, then keep in mind, this is, this will be a little bit overwhelming, kind of like same thing with tactical bassing. I love tactical bassing, but they break down everything so much that it's, uh, to me, it's like, ah, Lee, I'm getting a headache just listening <laughs> to this guy's. I mean, it's great information, but it's one of those things. If you're learning to go to um, kayak fishing and fishing in general, I mean, the ones that I recommend is Fluke Master. He he breaks it down. He's He kind of dumbs it up for us in such a, easier way to digest mentally than I think anybody out there. That's that's my personal opinion. Y'all. Okay. What's that smile for, Ryan? Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> something wrong? No, I, no, 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 I just, sorry, I, I kind of, I had something pop up on my phone to open it up. You're the host, man, come on. What example are you setting for me? I'm the new guy. Well, that's why I got my co-host was not supposed to call me out about the stuff. But, but uh, yeah, so uh, the Cumberland John had his own issues over there with all that. I'm trying to, like, get away from, you know, I, I thought I had the, you know, place to myself here, and then everybody's coming in. I thought there. you were going through an earthquake or something for a second. <laughs> I was like, I got to find a place where I can get back, you know, but no, nah, it's all good. But no, so, one of the local kayak groups, um, Cumberland kayak trail you know like I just got a notification on my phone where uh, they posted their schedule they I don't know we have the KBFTN that does like uh, spring to you know late summer-ish you know events and then Cumberland kayak trail kind of does like off like late summer to fall stuff and they just announced like their schedule and uh, you know usually all the tournaments are on you know, Percy Priest Lake, Old Hickory Lake, and back and forth. And, you know, both of them are close to an hour or over an hour, depending on what parts of the lake they're going to for me. Well, they uh, they have an event on Stones River in September, which is, is the same place and about the same time of year where I caught my PB last year. Uh, they have one on on Williamsport Lakes, which you never, I never hear tournaments on, on there. It's kind of a TWRA ran area. It's got like uh, four or five smaller lakes that are trolling motor only all on the same property. So that should be interesting. Like, I, so the smile was about that because, you know, Williamsport's somewhere, that's where my previous PB came from. And, uh, 
that's where my biggest bass of this year has come from. So basically, so, you didn't listen to anything I said. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> He's just thinking about winning tournaments, man. <laughs> uh, I, I'm thinking about like they're kind of getting in my element with that. So I, I'm I'm happy about that. But yeah, thanks for calling me out, Sean. Oh my bad. <laughs> <laughs> all right man so um let's see is there anything else we need to cover anything you wanted to say i mean uh, thanks again for coming on and we well, look forward to uh, hearing the directions that you can take paddle and finn as well man because uh i mean we've gone in so many different directions just since i've started i can't wait to see how many different directions we go with you and hey and anytime you want to bring the kayaking 101 back to bass fishing for noobs feel free to hit us up man well, and that's, we thought, of, I talked to Brian about it, but the first thing he told me, I asked was like, how does Sean and Ryan feel about it? Because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to step over anybody's. And I honestly, the way you guys do it so much better, I was like, I don't, I don't see the point, you know, with it. I don't want to feel like, you know, like I'm going to compare myself now to how they do it. Um, so I was like, no, I mean, that's, that's their thing. You know, they've mastered that. They'll do it tons better than I can't do it. I don't so. know about master. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, the point is phones. like, <laughs> I was like, I don't want that. I mean, I was like, no, I don't. I, and that's why I gave him the idea. And I guess we can mention that. So uh, starting July 26, every other Sunday, we're going to do a podcast in Spanish with William, my, one of my uh, uh, surfing buddies that is actually big into kayak fishing right now in Puerto Rico. Um, his name is Saul Ventura. So every other Sunday, we're going to um, record an episode in Spanish. Uh, we want to focus a lot on the Iron Kayaku, which is, I guess, is the KBF of Mexico. I know they use the KBF logo. Um, okay. Um, and I know, so I'm going to try to bring some um, maybe trail directors and tournament anglers. We want to uh, also focus on saltwater fishing, not necessarily um, shallow, uh, shallow or inshore, because I know Dustin does a great job about that, but more like open water kayak fishing, uh, offshore kayak fishing. Um, uh, we want to bring guys from everywhere from the uh, Spanish-speaking community, whether it's in the United States, Spain, South Central America, uh, you know, um, and kind of grow the sport, grow paddle and fin, you know, and share information. I think uh, the more the sports grow, the more investors are going to come in and the more that you're going to see great products and uh, more com competitive prices. Um, uh, are gonna be available to us and that's the thing about it when when something grows we all go we all we all benefit from it even people that don't like the social media aspect of it and i can see why a lot of clickbait is thrown in and i'm not a fan of it but for those that do actually do social media or youtube and all that responsibly um and for the community first um for the tournament anglers and all that it's that's if the sports grows in popularity it's going to bring investors in and yes there is some negative negativity about monetizing some stuff but at the end i think each one of each one of us can make kayak fishing their own thing you don't have to do the whole social media thing and just ignore it if you're not a fan of it you can still go kayak fishing you can still do the tournament and if you're not a fan of tournament thing just if you do it just for the leisure of it you know just to enjoy yourself and get out of the house and kind of like clear your mind like i do a lot of times that's fine this is not the the sport is going to grow and it's going to it's not going to affect you if you if you do kayak fishing the way you want to do it but you're still going to benefit from great products that are kind of come out there because one company is going to either make a better product or lower their price on it 
And same thing for kayak, not just fishing lures, but kayaks too. I mean, we see how the landscape of kayak fishing uh, and the companies, some of them are merging, some of them are dropping out and new ones are coming in. So it's, it's all, I think it's great for everyone involved because everyone can benefit out of it. So having it go internationally, I think it's even going to be better. Not just paddle and fin, but just the community itself. I agree. Yeah. All right, do you have any sponsors or anything you want to shout out? Uh, Douglas Rods. Um, I recently started uh, with Douglas Rods. Uh, I love Douglas Rods. I'm, I'm really proud of having that. That's my first big sponsor. Um, Congrats. Or kind of pros, thank you. Or pro staff, whatever you want to call it, business partner. Um, amazing Rods. Uh, I'm, they're growing. I'm helping them um, branch out here in Texas. That's one of the things that I'm um, working with uh, Douglas. Um, we don't have a dealer right now, but I've tried the Douglas rods. They're amazing rods. And you can, we can do a whole segment on, on rods because I've learned and I don't want to make this episode longer than you guys wanted to. But real quick, I've learned the hard way. I used to think that having an expensive reel um, is more important than having an expensive rod. So I would buy a $200 reel and maybe a $50 rod, because I think it's just a stick. And how ignorant was I? I've recently started using Douglas rods, um, and I mean, the amount of fish that I would lose on the on, on previous $50 rods compared to the what I'm using now with Douglas rods, it's, it's amazing. I never thought that having a great rod a high quality rod not just because it's durable it's gonna help you land more fish like i bought i don't i don't want to say the brand but i bought a rod 50 dollars, and i kept losing fish and i'm thinking what am i doing wrong i switched to douglas rod that same setup and i i think i only lost one and more than anything because i was fishing for i was uh getting a chatterbait through grass and i think it grabbed the fish grabbed more grass and it grabbed the chatterbait actually was a jackhammer and it came off. You can see when it jumped out, it spit a bunch of grass out. So it wasn't even the rod's fault. But that's the only one. Even yesterday, I went to uh, Lake No Friday. I went to Lake Fork, and uh, I mean, I I I I have one rod with my old fifty dollar uh, my fifty dollar setup. My rod that was an Abu Garcia. I had an Abu Garcia reel and a fifty dollar rod, which I brought in as an extra one. And immediately, I lost like two big ones. And I switched mm -hmm. back to the Douglas rods because I don't even know why. I wanted to bring as many rods as I can, so just so I won't be changing baits. So that's the only reason why I bought that $50 rod, which I threw it away <laughs> after that. So I was like, screw it. I'm just going to spend more time rigging and switching baits on my Douglas rods. And, I mean, I did not lose a fish on it. I mean, That's my personal opinion. Everybody has their own. Um, and not just Douglas, but if – if you're learning to do kayak fishing, do yourself a favor. Don't think that you can get away with a cheap rod. You Not that you can't catch fish with a cheap rod, but you're going to lose a lot more fish that you would that you would have if you have a, a high-quality rod. I'm not saying spend $500, but find a good deal on a good quality rod. Yeah, I, I just recently kind of started upgrading my rods from the cheaper ones. And, you know, it's kind of thrown me off. You know, I've been on this Kytec and underspin kick, and the bite feels completely different yes. on a higher-quality rod 
So now I'm like, is there, like, was that a bite? You know, they don't feel like what I what I'm used to. You know, I'm not used to feeling an actual bite. I'm used to the rod just getting heavy and yes, like, sitting the hook. <laughs> and that and that's the thing. For those that don't know, it's just two things to me: it's the sensitivity and the ability to pin down that bass. And for those out there thinking, what's pinned down? It's hard for me to explain. Maybe you guys can explain it more. But when you pin down that rod, it just means that it's not pulling that bait ripping out of its mouth. It has it. It's pinning it down. It's holding it down. It's not yanking it out of its mouth, which happens with a lot of times with a cheap rod, especially if you're going like a heavy. If you're going to a heavy, medium, heavy rod that's a cheap rod, you're going to rip it out of its mouth just because it doesn't have that parabolic bend that a more expensive rod has so instead of pinning it down it just rips it out of their mouth especially and that's that's the biggest thing the other thing and then i learned the first time i had that douglas rod i started casting and i cast it into some rip wrap and i nicked the line just a little nick on it i didn't notice when i was reeling it back in i could feel something as i was bringing the uh the bait up uh up to like six inches from the rod tip i was like something wrong is, is is my rod broken is my real something's wrong and i kept like i always keep every time i bring the bait in i was like i feel some something's wrong i did not imagine that that rod was so sensitive that i started looking at the line and sure enough there was a little nick on the line that was causing that little uh glitch i i don't know how to call it but that little uh roughness when i started reeling the uh the bait back in and that's what was causing it. And that's 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 how I was like, my mind was blown. I was like, I did not know a rod could do that. Like I could actually tell if it has a nick on the line just because of its sensitivity. So that's the two big reasons why, you, to me, you use uh, or try, you know, try to stay on your budget. I'm not telling anybody they need to spend $500. If you can afford a $50 rod, that's all you can afford. Hey, do it. But if you can save the money and get yourself a nice rod and try to find a good deal, you don't have to buy it. Nowadays, you don't have to buy anything at full price. You can always get a deal somewhere. Um, but try to get yourself a nice rod, a sensitive, and that's going to, you know, that parabolic bend that's going to have, especially if you are using a heavy rod. Because those cheap rods, it'll rip it out of their mouth like crazy. Anyways. Right on. I'm going to rant there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I appreciate you coming on here oh, and man. talking with us. Um, everybody, make sure you go check out Armando. Uh, now, I know you're every other Sunday. Are you going to be every well, Wednesday? Yeah, every Wednesday is going to be the Bass Kayak and Beers, which is going to be kind of like the segment that I had on my podcast. It was called The Real Life, which is just talking about um, life in general, you know, and, and kayak fishing, not necessarily talking about baits and all that. It's just yeah. people that have a passion for kayak fishing with tournament anglers, content creators, just regular guy who loves kayak fishing and how life revolves around it. You know, um, if, if everything works out well, I should have Cody, Cody Milton. It's going to be on Wednesday's episode. Awesome. So we plan to record tomorrow. I'm super excited about having Cody Milton on the show. Um, so we're going to talk again, talk about his life and how he gets to opportunity to fish all these tournaments and you know the experiencing of living the life we all of us here in the show and most of the listeners out there wish we could live you know um so it's gonna be it's gonna be a great episode and then on the every other sunday starting july 26 it's gonna be in spanish it's gonna be directly translated it's gonna be remos y aletas which is paddle and fin in spanish so <laughs> it's gonna be that, that, that's kind of cool yeah, yeah i like that 
So, uh, so everybody, everybody, start brushing up on your Spanish now, so you can <laughs> listen to that. Uh, Sean, you. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, guys, thanks for checking us out again tonight. Um, uh, thank you, Armando, again, and um, this has been the Bass Fisher Noob segment of the Paddle and Fin Podcast. We're bringing you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Thank you, guys. Love that. Later. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Thin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20 and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs.